0: We're Missy Phoenix, a community of God's people, learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. Hey, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2 this morning. What we've been doing is journeying through the story of the Bible, just getting a snapshot preview of it all kind of skimming through everything, right? And so we are hoping and trusting that what it's causing you to do is it's inspiring you to take more of a deeper dive into the scriptures for yourself in the time that you have first. But as a body, we're getting a glimpse of what it means to say that the Bible is one true story. It's one unfolding narrative. And it's a true story that points to Jesus. He's the hero of the story, the climax of the story it happens in his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection as we see. But it's also a story that you and I are a part of, because it's the true story of the world that we live in. And it includes, in the Bible, all the brokenness and the mess and the junk that we experience too. That's all in there. But it also includes the story of hope. Story of love. It's a story that one day all things will be made right again. And we're invited into that hope. We're invited to live in that as we look forward to that hope because we look backward on what Jesus has already done for us. And so at this point in the story, what we've seen is that Jesus has come. He was born into the world. He lived a beautiful, good, right, perfect life. And He healed the sick, and he fed the hungry. He even raised the dead back to life. And then he himself was tortured and killed and put in the grave. But on the third day, the Spirit of God that was there hovering above the waters of creation, the Spirit of God that was breathed into the first man, the Spirit of God that Jesus was conceived by through a virgin girl, the spirit of God that allowed Jesus to move through this world and overcome all temptation and do miraculous things, the most miraculous of all, sitting with the people that no one else would sit with that nobody else loved or liked and being present with nothing. That spirit entered into the lungs of the body that Jesus walked in for 33 years on this earth. He got up. He rose. He is alive still today. So we've heard the story that this Jesus then reappeared in that body, in the real body, and ate fish with his friends, the people that he called to follow him. And he allowed them to touch the scars in his hands so they could see that this was really him. And then he gave them what we looked at last week. He gave them a call. He gave them a commission. Think of that word. A commission, we call it the Great Commission, co-mission. I'm inviting you to partner with me in this mission I've been on, to restore all things to God, to restore all things into the kingdom of heaven. You are my co-laborers. Jesus invites us into that, the Great Commission, to go and share the good news of Jesus to immerse people in this new identity from the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. To teach them everything Jesus has taught us. And he gives this beautiful reminder, and I am with you always. I'm with you. through it all. So that's where we find ourselves in our story today. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2. I'm going to start by reading the first eight verses. Before I do, quick little story to kind of give us idea where we're at right now. Uh, This week was my twin's birthday. So on Wednesday, they turned 13. I am now a father of two teenagers. So that reality is catching up with my hairline. So I have two teens in the home, 13. uh, And they've been excited about it. We've had conversations where they're also like, yeah, I've been more excited about other years. And like, now I'm getting older. It's not a big deal. Yeah, you're so old, right? Uh, but they're still, like, looking forward to the day that they would turn 13. And so, Wednesday morning, I go in to wake up my sons, and I, I wake them up, and before I have a chance to say happy birthday or anything, this was just, I forgot, today's our birthday! They're like, what do you mean you forgot? You literally just woke up. And he's like, yeah, but it's like, it's here now. And I love that because he never forgot anything. He knew exactly what the day was. He knew it was coming. He went to bed knowing tomorrow's my birthday. And he woke up with his first breath saying, it's my birthday. Right? But what happened is that morning, that day, it had arrived. It suddenly it became real for him. And in a way, that's what we're about to see with Jesus' father. That Jesus had walked with them for three years, day in and day out. That he had showed them miraculous things. That he had told them exactly what was going to happen, including his death and his resurrection. And he promised them that the Father would send the help of them. The same spirit that Jesus did all this through. They knew all of this, and yet, something happens on the day that it finally arrives. Acts chapter 2. Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. They are Jesus' followers. Suddenly, sound, like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native tongue? God's word. Father, we ask that as we look at your word this morning, you would help us to see, to hear, to receive, to be transformed by your words, your truth. God, that as we just read of your spirit resting on your people, that would happen for us even this morning. Your spirit coming and resting on your people as we are gathered here together in this room. In the name of Jesus, to the glory of Father, good of your world. We pray these things. This is a day called Pentecost. You guys ever heard about that before? Pentecost. Uh, what do you, maybe like throw out a couple of answers. What do you think of when you hear the day of Pentecost? Wearing red. Yep, that's a, a church tradition that's happened for a long time to wear red on the day of Pentecost. That's something we've ever practiced in church, but it happens uh, here in this building. Anyone know why? Yeah, you're on the right track. You're very close. It's, it's to signify the spirit. Yeah, usually in a lot of cases, right, does signify the spirit. Anyone else? What do you think of with Pentecost? Yes, it does. Yeah, in the Greek, it means fifty. So, if you take the the language, the Greek language, you get the Pentateuch, the first five books. And how many sizes does it have? Pentecost uh, is fifty. Why is it fifty? I thought it was a day about the Spirit, right? Like, why, why, what's going on? After what? After another holiday? Yes, absolutely, you're right. No, you've got 50 days after another holiday takes place. Hey, let's rewind in the story real quick. If you have your Bible, you can turn with me. I'm going to Exodus 23. On that note of what Rebecca just said. This is after God, Yahweh, the God of Israel, rescued the Israelites out of Egypt. They were enslaved in Egypt. He rescues them out. And he's wanting to remind them about how he had saved them and how he had called them to be his people. And he didn't want them to forget. And he knows humans well, as he made us. And he knows that when we are walking away from him, we easily forget him. So he gives them. Three ways to remember what had just happened. Verse 14. Celebrate a festival in my honor three times a year. Observe the festival of unleavened bread. As I commanded you, you are to eat the unleavened bread for seven days at the appointed time in the month of Abib. This is the Passover. That's when that occurs. Because you came out of Egypt in that month. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. Also observe the festival of harvest. With the first fruits of your produce from what you sow in the field. And observe the festival of ingathering at the end of the year when you gather your produce from the field. Three times a year, all your males are to appear before the Lord your God. So this happens early on in the story of Israel. And what we see in Jesus' time, remember when he was riding in on that donkey the last week of his life? what he was riding into was Jerusalem. And the reason he was going to Jerusalem, Jesus had a, a bigger reason also, but the reason a lot of people were coming to Jerusalem is every Israelite male had to make a pilgrimage from wherever they were to the temple, to celebrate, the festival, every time a year. So for that particular one, they were heading there for the Passover. So they're all on their way there. And, and at this point, at the point where Jesus is there, they had all been dispersed everywhere. They've been conquered by multiple nations throughout their story. And at this point, Rome is in control over the whole known world, and the Israelites are scattered throughout the whole known world. And so people are coming, all speaking different languages, all from different cultures, different backgrounds. They're coming because they need to remind themselves of the story that they actually remind themselves of the God over all things, all nations, all religions, who had rescued them out of slavery. Three different festivals. Uh, My translation called them like the the Feast of the Unleavened Bread Passover, right? Or the Feast of the Harvest, and then there was the Feast of the gather. So other names you might have heard of it by is like the the Feast of Tabernacle. What that just means it's shelter. Piece of booths could have been another name. Very the translation. It's shelter, and that time was to remind them of the time that they were living Israel in the wilderness for forty years, just setting up camp. Because God had rescued them from slavery, but out of their sin and rebellion already, He had not allowed them to enter into the land He had promised. Them. So they wandered in the wilderness for forty years, but God provided. By bread raining from the sky. By giving them direction of where to travel throughout the day and the night. So this festival is to remind them about how God had provided even in the wilderness. Even in the hard times of the And then there was the third one, the, the one of harvest. Right? The festival of the harvest.
1: Uh, another name that this
0: has been given is the Feast of Weeks. And this is the time that has become known as Pentecost. Because it occurs 50 days after the last festival, the Passover. 50 days after Passover. There's this meal, or festival, the Festival of Weeks, or Festival of Hearts. What they would do is they would come in, and this was to remind them, hey, after the 40 years in the wilderness... God did bring us into the promised land. He brought us into the promised land, and there was tons of food. Everything we needed was provided. We had actual land that we could start to harvest now. And so during this festival, what they would do is they would gather in. It was actually a time when their their crops were starting to grow and everything. They would gather in what's called the first fruits. They would gather in a harvest of all their crops the first of its season that it started to grow in produce. and then they would bring the best of it to the temple to sacrifice to God so 50 days after the Passover 50 days after Jesus had died and rose again once again all these males from all over the world speaking different languages from different cultures were there in Jerusalem once and you got, Jesus' followers also live in one room. They're not out mingling with the others, right? With all the excitement of the festival going on, they're sitting, waiting in a quiet room. Partly because Jesus had told them to. When he had come to them and, and gave them this commission, and he invited them to the mission with him, he also said, hey, before you try to do any of You're not going to be able to do it on your own. So before you try to do any of it, wait in the city of Jerusalem for the gift that my father has promised. So part of it's that, but part of it's also, if you remember, these were the same men who ran and hid when Jesus was captured, the same men who denied him in front of other people, the same men who were fearing for their lives. The same men who were super confused and probably maybe a little angry, like emotions all over the place because this person they thought was going to come in and defeat Rome for them had just been killed. And then Jesus shows up miraculously. Like, what is going on, right? And their their heads are probably spinning. They're probably also sitting there in that room just filled with confusion, still not knowing what's up and what's down and what to do next. And then the day comes. When everything Jesus said suddenly becomes very real. The Spirit of God enters into the room like a rushing wind. Now we talked about this at the beginning of our journey through the story, right? At creation, how is the Spirit of God described? Remember the word we said is used for spirit? Ruach. You're a will in your throat when you say it. Ruach. And what does that mean? Wind, spirit, breath. Yeah. All those words that he in front of So this wind comes rushing in. The same word was used when God breathed into this dirt that he formed, this clay he formed to make a man. To breathe life into his spirit is now entering into this room to give new life to the followers of Jesus. And at, at the festival of weeks, the festival where you're supposed to gather in your harvest the first fruits of it and bring it as a sacrifice, Jesus is gathering in the first fruits of what he's about to do in building this church. Those men and women in that room the first fruits of this new season that is being birthed, called the church. We finally have gotten to that fifth symbol in our story symbols, right? The fifth act of the whole play, the whole story, the church. This is the first fruits of it. And what is what is God also orchestrating? Jesus purposely went to Jerusalem knowing that's when he would be killed, during the Passover, because what he was telling them, linking them in their story, was, hey, you had a Passover lamb before. Remember how they had to smear the blood over the doorpost so that when the angel of death came, the messenger of death from God, to clear out the Egyptians who were oppressing Israel, those anyone who trusted them, Egyptians too, anyone who trusted in the words of God could be saved and rescued by putting the blood on their doorpost, and that messenger would pass over. And Jesus is saying, I now, in that land, once and for all for you. My blood will allow death to pass over you. Right? Jesus is so masterful in linking this story together in the power of what he does. His actions in that moment are not separate from what they have lived for centuries. And in the same way, at this festival, God's doing the same thing linking this to where they came from. Remember how I finally entered you into the promised land, and there is fruit. The first fruits of that are happening No, not in its fullness. Not once and for all. That happens when Jesus returns again, right? But the first fruits of that harvest have begun. And isn't it so masterful and so smart That God chooses to do this when there's people from every tribe and tongue and nation. People who had been exiled from the promised land. They had been exiled from the temple in Jerusalem. They had been wandering in the wilderness, so to speak. Them and their ancestors. And they're speaking different languages. They don't really know each other. There's not a unity present there yet. So God shows up you remember another story where there's uh, a scattering of people speaking different languages? Tower of Babel, yeah. What happens in that story? So, Genesis 11. These people are, are joining together and saying, hey, let's build a monument to who? Let's build it all the way up to the sky so that we could reach God. We could do this. That's a, that's a belief, a worldview, a story that still is very present in our world today. I call it humanism. It's called humanism. That we believe if we can just work together, we can solve all the world's problems, right? And they left God out of the equation. They were united, but what were they united around? themselves. From their power, from their might, around what they thought was right. And at the same time, we hear around that time in the story too that everyone was also doing what was right in their own eyes. And there was a lot of violence, a lot of oppression, a lot of brokenness. And God, in his grace and mercy, and also in his judgment at the same time, as they go together, looked at that and said, We can have a So what does he do? He disperses them. And they all start speaking different things. God, with his breath, does something new. Do you remember? Let's back up again, Genesis 1 and 2. What was humanity's call in the story? To be fruitful and what? Multiply. Subdue the earth and then also to cultivate it, right? They had a Paul to spread out. But to spread out under the unity of God being king over all of them. What they were doing in the moment of Genesis 11 is gathering all together in a unity that was separate from God. So God spreads them out. We just had a summer school last week here where we had church planners, missionaries, pastors from all over the country came in, and I know you look around this room and you go, really? They wanted to learn from a little church like this? Yeah. I don't get it. But they came in, and they wanted to learn about mission communities, and what we did is we spent all but the last day talking about anything about mission communities. We talked about. We prayed together. We sang together. And there was a little bit of that tinge of frustration at first. Like, I thought we were coming here to learn tools, right? And we finally gave them down the last day when they were ready for it. And we said, I don't even care about that stuff anymore. This has been so good to sit in sisters. Nah, sisters. And on the last night, we had a meal to celebrate it all. And people were standing up and just sharing, like, what God did. Evidence is grace like we do, right? What, what did God do while you were here? And one person stood up and said, you know, I had moments sitting around with all of you. Just thinking, this has become family in such a short time. I wish this could just be my church experience. I wish we could all just meet together here, those of us here, and we could do life together. And was like, oh, You know, like, they grew tight fast. Like, yeah, that sounds great. And he goes, then I realized how demonic it is. There's a couple, like, uh, uncomfortable laughters going on. And he goes, that's the Tower of Babel. What God wants to do is to spread us out among the earth. So each of us will go to our own homes now and bring the goodness of God that we've experienced here into those places. God now, at this moment, in Acts 2, is bringing all those scattered languages, all those scattered nations and peoples into one spot, but so that he could unite them around the right thing and send them back out. What do they do after the festival is over? They all go back to their homes, to their own lands, their own countries, their own languages. And they take what they hear. What happens right after that moment I read, when the Spirit fills them, is they go out to the people who have all come to see, what is that noise? What's going on? And Peter, as a representative of all of them, but with all of them backing them up, he just starts preaching. And if you read through Acts 2, his preaching is just telling them the story that they live in. It's reminding them about the call of Abraham. It's reminding them about King David and what God promised to do through his line. And pointing them to, this has come true in Jesus. And he's reminding them about what the prophet said long ago, that the Spirit of God would come. And he's saying, That moment has arrived. The day is here. That's what you're witnessing. And guess what? Some people didn't believe him. In fact, some people, it says, they thought he was drunk. All these people must be drunk. I love his response. He's like, Hey, okay, it's not even noon yet. But here's what does happen. After Peter stands up and he gives all that, verse 29. Verse 37. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, and listen, he's taking the call that Jesus gave him. Repent and be what? Baptized. What do we say that word means? To be immersed in, to be covered in, not just dumped in water. Be immersed, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you, for your children, for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And then with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. What he's saying is, stop following the false narratives of this world, the other stories that you're being fed. So, those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. never preached and had 3,000 people saved. He never preached and had three people saved before. But God is doing something in that moment. He is gathering his harvest, He's gathering the first fruits, and then what does He do? He sends them. The Holy Spirit of God comes to empower his people, to gather his people, send his people out united. What are they united around? Not their ability to fix anything. Not, Not the ways of their culture that they know. Not their politics. They're united around the story of God and a powerful act of the spirit. We're united around Jesus, being the king over all creation, and being sent out into the world to be his representatives. And listen, family, that's the story that we all live in today, too. That's the story we're called into. He said, this is for you, for your children, and for all who are far off. That doesn't just mean geographically in that moment, it means throughout time, too. You and I invited into this story. Powered by the Spirit. spirit, Called together in community by the Spirit. Sent out into the places that God has us for this specific time, like Jessica said earlier. In unity of the Spirit. So God, would that be true of this people in this room too?